beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time of our text, Israel is still at Mount Sinai in the desert, having left Egypt about a year earlier. Here they are organized as God's people, a holy nation. They receive the law, instructions about all the sacrifices. The tabernacle was built, and it, Moses was just putting the finishing touches to the tabernacle. And in, in a few weeks' time, they would leave, leave Sinai, go through the desert on the way to the promised land. This would not be an easy journey. They would face deserts and mountains, scorching heat, freezing nights. There would be scarcity of, of food and, and drink. Plus, people were traveling with all their possessions. There were teenagers. There were kids and toddlers running around, babies wailing. Women would have babies in the desert. Imagine traveling, you know, without uh, a truck with all your stuff in it and motels and, and restaurants on the way. It was a tough journey. And of course, every step of the way, they were faced with enemies who wanted to kill them or at least send them back to Egypt. So it's so beautiful that at the beginning of every day when the people were ready to set off, there would be the sacrifices and then Aaron was to give this blessing from the Lord, that the Lord would bless them and keep them, make his face shine upon them, turn his face toward them and give them peace. The people understood that the Lord was with them. In fact, he went in that cloud of smoke with them the whole way to the promised land. Nothing would prevent them from crossing over to Jordan. And you know what, brothers and sisters? 3,500 3, years later, we still have the same blessing. You will hear at the end of the service the same blessing you find in our text. We're not in a wilderness like, like Israel was, but we, we all face our trials and tribulations. The world in which we live, the culture that surrounds us is a form of wilderness. Seductive, dangerous, oppressive, drawing people into attitudes and, and lifestyles that are not to the praise and the glory of God. How wonderful it is that at the beginning of every week, at the end of our official worship together, the minister raises his hands, and in those hands we see the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we receive the same blessing. The Lord assures us at the beginning of every week, I am with you. We travel together. I too am bringing you to the promised land, to a new heaven and a new earth, and nothing is going to separate you from my love in Christ Jesus the Lord. We're going to look at that this afternoon as we examine the high priestly blessing. We summarize our, our text in this way. The Lord graciously smiles upon his children. And we will see who gives this blessing, what is the blessing, and how to receive this blessing. Now, as we mentioned, Israel received this blessing every morning immediately after the sacrifices. And who would give that blessing? Well, it's made very clear to us, Moses is instructed by the Lord, that Aaron, the high priest, was 
to give the blessing. And of course, after he died, it would be his son, the high priest, and so it would go on for hundreds and, and hundreds of years. We even know how the high priest would do this because we read in Leviticus 9, verse 22, then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. Now, we know from Exodus 27 that the altar of burnt offering is about a, a, a meter and a half tall. And Aaron would stand on the top of it, or at least on a platform at the edge of it. And he would do the sacrifices. He would do the burnt offering. And then he would turn to the people, to the congregation, with the blood on his hands. And he would make this pronouncement, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. An amazing, beautiful blessing. But we understand that Aaron is only the messenger. He speaks the blessing. He doesn't give the contents of the blessing. And the Lord makes very clear to Moses and Aaron that it is he, the Lord God, and he alone that gives the blessing. When we look at the blessing, we, we hear three times the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord wants to make it crystal clear, blessing comes from, from him. He uses that personal name, the Lord, which in Hebrew is Yahweh. I am who I am. That means I am the God who is there for you. I give you this blessing. And, and in case somehow you missed it, the whole passage ends with the Lord saying, and I translate directly from Hebrew, I myself will bless them. The Lord blesses his people, and what's awesome is that we get the strong impression that God loves to do this. People aren't asking for it. They're not counting on it. They can't demand it, not as sinners. But God graciously and one-sidedly comes to his people and says, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for you. I assure you and I promise you. And another uh, amazing thing about, about the wording of this blessing is that every time you read the word you, the Lord bless you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, it's the singular. It's incredibly personal. Every man and woman, every teenager, every boy and girl standing there, and we this afternoon too, we understand God is talking to me Personally, boys and girls, God says to you, I bless you. God says to you, young man, young woman, my face is turned toward you. The Lord says to you, older brother or sister, I lift up my face to you and give you peace. This is an incredibly personal blessing where we understand that not just in some broad fashion God takes care of his people, which he does, each one of us personally, he says, I walk with you, and I take care of you. Now, before we look at exactly what this blessing all means, we should ask ourselves the question, why does the Lord give such emphasis to the fact that blessing comes from him and him alone? I mean, isn't that obvious? Don't we get that? 
Perhaps it's because God's people have a tendency to look for their blessing in all the wrong places. I mean, just consider the time of our text. They're at Mount Sinai. They hardly got there, and Moses is up in the mountain, and the people say to Aaron, let's take all that gold we got out of Egypt and make idols for us. And when Aaron did that, we read in Exodus 32, people said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So here's God looking at his people, reaching out to them in love, and the people turn away and look for other gods. They snub him. They ignore him. And, and we see throughout the Old Testament, they, they sought their, their gods, their security in the idols of other nations or their possessions or the security that Egypt and Assyria would afford them. And of course, we have to ask ourselves, well, what about us? Do we know where our blessing comes from? What makes us secure? What's the one thing that we can say this is for body and soul in life and death? Are we looking for our blessings in the right places? This comes as no surprise to, to anyone here that often we will seek our security and blessing in material things. It could be our house or our car or that exotic vacation to a, a warm place. This is the culture in which we live. It's the religion of today. How much do you have? Do you have more than me? Am I doing okay? For others, security, blessing is in relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, husband or wife, and of course, that's fine. It's good to have a, a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's good to be, to be married. But, but what if God doesn't give you a partner? What if God takes your partner away? Are you still secure in the love of God? And there's the sad reality that there are some, it's not just that they're looking for a partner, they're looking for someone different, someone better. A man may not be satisfied with his wife, but wants someone different, someone better, utterly shattering any kind of love or relationship he has with his wife. And some seek their blessing in an achievement. They feel great when they're recognized by their colleagues or by fellow students or their friends as having accomplished amazing things, and it's a matter of pride. That's... That makes me who I am. This, this gives me joy that people realize I do stuff and I do it better than others. Well, brothers and sisters, it's important that if we're going to have any real and meaningful relationship with God, we have to identify our idols and get rid of them. Often, idols are identified by looking at your own emotions. Conflicting emotions, emotion, emotions that, that unsettle our life. You know, you have anger or joy battling back and forth. Grief, happiness, despair, hope. For instance, if, you, if your security is in material things, how much money you have, how much stuff you have. You know, you've got this incredible yearning 
to have it. If you don't get it, you're devastated. If you do get it, you might discover it's really not bringing you the joy that you expected. Or you're living in constant fear that it might be taken away from you. Oh, we have that incredible joy when we get that brand new car, but we can't sleep at night when it has the first scratch, when it starts to, to age. The problem with God's like possessions and accomplishments and even relationships, if that's, if that's what makes us happy, it's a, it's a rotten life. It's a life that, that is filled with conflicting emotion and has no real stability. It is so important that we know what true blessing is and who gives it to us, and that is our God. He, and he alone, is a source of blessing. And we're going to look now at, at what that blessing actually is. And to understand it, you really should, should keep in mind that our text is a piece of poetry. And poetry is something that you have to feel and experience. Our text is like a waterfall where the water gently starts coming over the top, picks up speed, and results in this amazing crescendo. In Hebrew, every line becomes longer. The Lord bless you and keep you. Here comes the water. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And then comes the crescendo. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace from a God whose face is turned toward us. It is absolutely amazing. It fills our heart. It fills us with joy. And it quickly displaces any other thing that we thought gave us security and hope. I mean, who wants anything more or anything different than a God who loves us so deeply. Now, we have seen that that blessing is not in material things or, or relationships or accomplishments. And it's not because those things are wrong. You know, it's, 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 it's good to have possessions, wonderful to have a relationship, to be strong in, in, in the work that you do, the studies that you have. But it's not as important, wonderful, amazing, as a personal relationship with God. A God who says, I bless you. And when God says that, he's not saying, you know what, um, we'll, we'll try to work on this thing together. I wish the very best for you. No, when God says, I bless you, he says, I am going to take care of you in my power and in my faithfulness towards you. We're going to travel together. I am at your side. I'm leading you. I'll carry you if you can't walk anymore. But we'll get through the wilderness. We'll cross over Jordan. I'll bring you into the promised land, a new heaven and a new earth. Specifically, God starts with the words, the Lord bless you and keep you. To understand that, it's very valuable to, to look at Psalm 121 which we, which we sang together. And there we sang, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the psalm outlines that the Lord will not let our foot slip. He won't let us have sunstroke. He's always with us. 
And it ends with, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God's blessing, God's keeping us, means he holds on to us. You're walking on a slippery path, the Lord is walking with you. He holds on to you. We might be lying in a hospital bed, very sick. Nurses are all around us. We're on intravenous. We got everything hooked up to us, and that, that's good. It's wonderful to have that. But the most important thing is what nobody else sees, but that we know that God's hand is on our forehead. And with his other hand, he holds our hand. And he says, I'm with you. We're going to go through this together. I'm not going to let anything happen to you that I don't want to happen to you. I'll take care of you, and this is going to work out in such a way that I am my wisdom and I am my power. I'm going to bring you to a good place. Maybe restore health. Maybe take us through that door to be with our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. But we're not alone. The Father guards us and keeps us and keeps us on the path at all times. Now, that's just the beginning. It, it, it starts to intensify when, when we read, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Scripture, the face of God always implies friendship and, and closeness. If God's face is, is turned toward us, it's because he loves us. It's because he's our friend. This morning we sang Psalm 25. And there we sang, the Lord shows friendship to his people. In Psalm 17, when, when David is, is confronted by some really hostile forces, he ends with these words, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. To see the face of God is to know that it is well with our soul. And you know, the ultimate seeing the face of God is when we die. And when we die, we don't cease to exist. We don't lose consciousness. We close our eyes to this world and our eyes open to see the face of our Lord Jesus Christ who brings us into heaven to be with him. And that makes the, the last line of the blessing so profound and awesome. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, one point of clarification, that word countenance means face. And you see that in the footnote. In Hebrew, it's the same word as the, in the line before it. The Lord turn his face towards you. The Lord lift his face up upon you. And you say, well, well what's, what's the difference? There is a difference. And to understand it, we could use the example of an earthly father. For a child... There's, there's nothing so beautiful as when dad walks into the room and he notices you and instantly looks at you and has a smile on his face. You know, this dad, he loves you. It's horrible for a child when he sees dad turning his face away. There's a frown. He wishes you weren't in the room. But when God walks into the room, in a manner of speaking, spots us right away. His face is turned toward us. 
His countenance is lifted upon, upon us. He smiles. We are the apple of his eye. He says, I love you. Care for you. And I'm always with you. Nothing is going to separate you from my love. And peace, peace flows down like a river into our soul. And peace is not just security from, from things like wars and illness and, and death, although it includes that. This is the peace of the entire person. We, we, we call it holistic. The peace of God means that with body and soul, in life and death, I can say, it is well, it is well with my soul. God puts his name upon us, our text says. It means he claims us for his own. You belong to me, and I belong to you. That's what God is saying in this blessing. You belong to me, and I belong to you. Nothing will ever separate us. Have we not all experienced that at some time in our lives, brothers and sisters? Maybe we were going through serious health problems. Maybe there was a, the death of a loved one. Maybe we're watching our own child, our own son and daughter, wandering away from the Lord. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. How do you get through it? Make a little more money? Go on holidays? Are you kidding? Doesn't do a thing. But to experience God coming, putting his arms around us, seeing the look on his face and saying, you're not alone. I'm with you. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure that we get through this one way or the other, but you can count on it that I am with you and I will take care of you. As we read in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't take one step on our own. The Lord is always there to protect us and care for us. Now let's pause there uh, for a moment, brothers and sisters, and, and think of what Moses must be thinking at this moment. He's just announced that the face of God is turned toward us. It's lifted upon us. But it wasn't that long ago, we read this in Exodus 33, that Moses said to God, show me something of yourself. And God says, I'll show you something, but you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So you can imagine that when Moses says, Aaron is going to pronounce this blessing of God, that the face of God is turned towards you, Moses scratching his head and saying, how does that work? God said, you're not going to see my face. Brother and sister, the answer to that is a story. It's the oldest story ever told. There was a time when Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. They had fellowship, sweet talk, like friends. And the face of God was turned to Adam and Eve. But then they sinned, and when they sinned, God escorted them out of the garden and said, our relationship is broken, and you are not going to look on my face. And that's why Moses was not able to see the face of God, and it's why the entire human race 
has, has lived in a world of, of turmoil where often we felt we were totally alone. So, so how now, here in this context, can Aaron say the Lord blesses you, the Lord turns his face toward you, and he's looking at you with, with love? Brothers and sisters, here's the gospel in our text. The reason that we cannot see the face of God is because we are sinners. But God, in his love and grace, sent his own son into the world. A beautiful son. A son in whom he delighted so much that both at his baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, this is my son whom I love. With, with him I am well pleased. The face of God was turned to his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. But then Jesus went to the cross. He who was so beautiful and so pure, he was made to be sin. And at that moment, God withdrew his face. God didn't bless Jesus on the cross. He cursed him, brought him to the open doors of hell to pay for our sins, to make us whole. Thankfully, our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his obedience, was raised up from the dead and ascended into heaven. But it's in Jesus Christ that the face of God is now turned toward us because it's in Jesus Christ that our sins are washed away and we are born again. You might say to yourself, we know that today. We got the New Testament. But, but did the people understand that at the time of our text? Of course they did. Remember, the blessing came after the sacrifice. So Aaron's got his back to the people doing the, the offering, burnt offering. He's got blood all over his hands, and he turns to the people. The blood is dripping from his hands. And the people understand it's blood that makes this all possible. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of the coming Jesus Christ. It's his blood that washes away sin. It is the coming Christ who makes it possible for God to look at, look, at, look at us again in love and mercy and say, I am with you, I will bring you to the promised land. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we see Christ, and that doesn't mean physically see him, but when I see him in faith, you know, like that sinful woman we, we talked about this morning, she saw Jesus. She knew who he was. If you see Jesus, if you know him, if you believe in him, if you're washed in his blood, in him you will see the Father turn towards you in love, in grace, and promising to take care of you. Can we be sure of that? I mean, it's nice to say all these things, but are we making it up? Are we stretching the truth a little bit? Do you remember when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven? We read at the end of Luke, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. This is the true high priest. Not a high priest in the order of Aaron, but a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. In other words, he's the one and only one who can do the job. He died for our sins, and when he raised his hands, he could still see the marks of his crucifixion. 
And the great high priest ascended into heaven, and he says, Lo, I am with you to the close of the age. I'm with you. I'll make sure you get there to heaven, and eventually to the new heaven and the new earth. He is our Prince of Peace. That leaves us uh, with a question for every one of us personally, and that is, do you have this blessing? Do you experience this blessing of God loving you, of turning his face towards you and taking care of you? And be careful how you answer that, because we can easily presume a lot. It's like, of course God loves me. He says that right in our text. It's not what our text says. Our text does not say the Lord blesses you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you as if this is just a fact. This is, this is what's happening. It's more of a prayer and a promise. Every commentator that I read has said this text could as easily be translated as may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. There's even one Bible translation that has that. You see, this is a covenant God. A covenant God who comes to us with amazing promises. But he expects faith. He doesn't say, well, you belong to the church. You hear this at the end of the service. So it's yours. He says, no. You need to believe. You need to know Jesus died for you. You need to find the joy and the hope and the meaning that in the blood of Jesus, we are cleansed, we are made whole. And it is through that faith, the blessings of God are not just pronounced, but they're real. It's in Jesus Christ that we are blessed. You know, brothers and sisters, again, this is a a cause for thinking a little more deeply about our, our personal lives. You know, perhaps we're li living with uh, a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of bad stuff happening in our world, wars and rumors of wars. We live in a society that's becoming increasingly anti-Christian. We wonder, will we have freedom of religion? Will we be able to keep our school? Will, will the PICS students be allowed to go on to university? These are things that are all confronting us. Maybe we have health issues, and we're anxious, and we're uncertain. Brothers and sisters, it's time to get back to the good old gospel. It's time to read the scriptures and to meditate on it and to see what kind of God we have who gave his son to die for us, who turns his face toward us, who lights up with a smile when he sees us, all through Jesus Christ. And when we know that and when we experience that, we don't live in fear. Life is not a, a time of constant anxiety and, and heartbreak. There are things that hurt us. There are things that shake us, but they'll always bring us back to God and say, Lord, I know you love me. 
I know you know what's happening in my life, and I know you're going to take care of me. And anybody who knows that finds peace, peace deep in the soul. Things are good with God. And so at the end of this worship service, when the minister raises his hands for the blessing, see the raised hands of God. See the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ nailed to the cross, bloody. See Jesus Christ ascending into heaven as the high priest who, who holds his hands over us. And he says, I love you. And that's what he, as he's going up into heaven, he says, I love you. I'll never take my eyes off you. Everything you go through, I'll be with you. And I will take you to the promised land. I'll take you to a new heaven and a new earth. Nothing can prevent that. I put my name on you because you belong to me. Yeah, you belong to me. And I belong to you forever. Amen.